Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Made it to Friday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you. Thanks for joining us wherever you are, however you're listening. We are glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. We remind you that, as always, the C Spire text line is open. That's the best way for you to get in contact with us during the show. The number is 601-879-4395. 4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says, so here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Cspire.com. Boys, what's up? Just trying to talk myself into thinking that Taysom Hill can be a quality NFL quarterback. It's hard it to do. And I have made plans to watch the game at a bar on Sunday, if that gives you any indication of exactly how I'm feeling about this one. But uh, what a pretzel that my head has been twisted into because of this. The news out of New Orleans, according to ESPN, the Saints plan to start Taysom Hill, a quarterback, ahead of Jameis Winston against the Falcons on Sunday. That's according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. He took all the starter reps at practice this week, according to the source. Also, uh, Diana Rossini at ESPN was told that Winston will not be part of any offensive packages unless needed because of injury. This move comes as a bit of a surprise because Winston is more experienced and was the one who replaced Drew Brees during the second half of last Sunday's win over the 49ers after Brees suffered cracked ribs and a punctured lung. The decision is a reminder that Sean Payton and team executives have always maintained that Hill could be a starting NFL quarterback. They backed up that belief by signing him to a two-year, $21 million contract extension as a restricted free agent this past offseason. He's going to get his chance to prove it. It Sounds like it, although Sean Payton had a press conference a few hours after that news broke and still refused to say how he was going to handle the quarterback position, so... Very on brand. Very on brand for whatever that's worth. So I've thought a lot about this. And I think the first thing I'll say is that although I don't doubt the reporting of world-class reporters, really, uh, Rossini and and Schefter at times can be that good. Um, If they're reporting it, they got it from somewhere. They certainly don't make stuff like this up. I will believe that Taysom Hill takes every snap at quarterback when I see it. I will believe that when I see it, uh, first of all. But most but the in- part of the report that is most interesting is where it says he's taking all the starters reps in practice this week. Yeah, and I, I just have a really hard time believing that, especially when players earlier in the week were talking about um, Jameis's style leading their team versus Teddy and how very different 
they were. Teddy Bridgewater is much quieter, more measured. Uh, Jameis had a lot more energy. So guys were saying that two days ago, that, yeah, Jameis' style is the starters really different than Teddy, and now we're being told that he was never practicing as the starter. See, there's there's some stuff going on there that I think is not entirely truthful, but let's pretend for a second that it is true. And by the way, that I was dead wrong also. i got to throw that out there. I was wrong. I thought it was going to be Jameis' time, that they weren't going to waver from how they used Taysom, and if this is the case, then I certainly nailed that one. But if this is exactly how they go about it, I have two major thoughts. Number one, I think this is an indictment on Jameis more so than a positive look for Taysom Hill because this exact scenario happened last year. I mean, almost identical. Breeze gets the thumb injury against the Rams, has to have surgery. Now, he's not going to have surgery on his ribs, but he was knocked out for a handful of weeks. Teddy Bridgewater steps in at quarterback, and he takes all the reps at quarterback and wins games. Played very well. This is the exact same situation, but Taysom then would play quarterback. What's the only thing that's really different between the two? Jameis Winston. So if if this does happen, I think it's an indictment on Winston more so than a pro on Taysom Hill. And the second thing for me is maybe we finally get to see it, though. Because we've been hearing for three years now, and in three seasons, Taysom Hill has thrown 18 regular season passes in the NFL. I think he's thrown two in the playoffs. Um, yeah, they, including the playoffs, he's 11 of 20 for 255 yards with no touchdowns and one interception. Yeah. Career. And, it's and by not, the way, he's 30. And it's not like they've looked good. Um, yeah, he's 30. He's, his last touchdown pass came in his last season at BYU, November of 2016. <sighs> Um, but they've been telling hey, us... that's back before I was 40. <laughs> I was 40. Yeah, you guys are old. Um, but they've been telling us for years that he's the next Steve Young. And if you don't look like it against these two defenses, then you're signing a new quarterback next year. So maybe finally this can either be brought to light that we can see what nobody else has seen as far as his ability to play quarterback, dating all the way back to college. I mean, name me an NFL quarterback that was not great in college since Tom Brady, who was not great in college. Is there a good NFL quarterback that was not high level in college? No. So maybe... I I, I was thinking through it. I mean... I guess even Trubisky was pretty good in his one year as a starter at North Carolina. Yeah, and he got benched for Nick Foles and is generally a train wreck. I mean, there's a correlation there. So maybe what only Sean Payton has seen, what nobody else has seen, comes to light. And that that would be great for everybody. I will say this, though. I mean, Sean Payton has the reputation as being quite the good offensive coach. And maybe it's worth trusting him on this. Yeah, I mean, it's if this is what they go with, then who am I to question a guy like him? You, you know, it's it's hard to do that. I was just reading between the lines here because, like we've talked about often, Richard, there's a reason that Teddy Bridgewater played all of those games last year and not Taysom Hill. And there's a reason, I think, last Sunday that Jameis Winston came in after the Breeze injury and not Taysom Hill. So either something's up where, like last week, for example... Latavius Murray was the starting running back for the Saints last week. Who's the starting running back for the New Orleans Saints? 
I believe it would be Mr. Kamara. It's Alvin Kamara, but he he wasn't on the field for the first snap, so he technically did not draw the start last week. So there's either something up there where this is some kind of smoke screen and they're just playing with the media because Peyton loves to do that, or Jameis Winston was really bad in practice and just hasn't gotten it. And so they're going this route because Jameis is not the these better option. Only one of these two players has thrown 30 interceptions in a season. And it's not Taysom Hill. No, it is not. Hey, Dan, what's your take on this? It's not overly surprising to me. I, I agree with a lot with what Borky's saying. It's time to find out what you've got in Taysom Hill. And the Falcons are, you know, no offense to the Falcons. I mean, no, take it back. Offense to the Falcons. Uh, but they're a good litmus test. They're not very good. So if you, you don't play well against this defense... You've got some issues there. So, yeah, it's as good a time as any. You've got to find out. Now's the time. Here's and a, the Saints the, the Saints are not in a spot right now where they're in danger of not making the playoffs. No. no they're, yeah, they're fine. And these are winnable so, games. I mean, you know, they, they, they've got their, they're playing with a little bit of house money right now. And I think it makes sense, right? I mean, figure out if this guy can go, if he can be your quarterback. And I guess we will do that. Yeah. Here's a stat uh, for you, by the way. Apparently, apparently, by the way, Drew Brees was just put on IR, That's ex- which means he will miss at least three weeks. Not yeah. surprising. No, not at all. And these next four games are ones that you should should have been able to win with JT Barrett, who's been on and off your practice squad forever. So, so that means also it opens up a roster spot while he's out, doesn't it? It does. And I'd be – I mean, Deuce mentioned that they might sign a veteran quarterback. That, that's, that was an interesting kind of one-off thing that we didn't talk about. Because uh, if anybody's plugged into that team, it's that guy. So I wonder if uh, that might be at play here. But here's your stat of the day. Taysom Hill is older than Brock Osweiler, who just retired after his eight-year NFL career, and he has 55 fewer pass attempts than Jake Lutton, who played his first NFL game two weeks ago. I don't guess I know who Jake Lutton is. I think he's in Jacksonville, right? To put that in perspective for fans in this state, Jay- Taysom Hill was in the same signing class as Chad Bumpus and Pat Patterson. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he's 30. It's not like this is some young developmental quarterback like Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre yeah. in Green Bay. I mean, this guy, you know, he's older than me. He's 30. I remember tech. I remember when State played BYU in 16, and I, I texted Bumpus. I was like, see this quarterback? Yeah, he's in the same signing class as you, and he was just amazed at how is that even possible. I'm take a mission year and a couple of medical red shirts, and here he, we are. He beat Texas and Austin like 41-7, to though. Yeah. yeah. What you may not remember about Taysom Hill is that he originally committed to Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. Pretty highly sought of, but after Heck turning – after returning from his uh, LDS church mission, he enrolled instead at BYU after learning Stanford did not allow incoming freshmen to join the team until June and decided to go to BYU instead. He was a freshman at BYU in 2012. Sports Talk Mississippi. We have news as it pertains to Mississippi State and Georgia. It looks like they're going to play. We'll get into that next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon. 
Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. Luke Johnson will join us in a little while. We'll talk some Southern Miss with him. Uh, it's kind of an interesting twist in the Jack Abraham story based on a, a story that came out from uh, Patrick McGee at the Sun-Herald. And uh, we'll get into that with uh, Luke. Bruce Marshall will join us for his weekly segment. We'll talk about some of the games that are coming up in the SEC and across the country this weekend. And also, uh, a little bit later, we'll talk some high school football as we go a week deeper into the high school football playoffs. Four games, I think, being played as scheduled in all six classifications across the state of Mississippi tonight. So all of that is coming up with you this afternoon. Hey, Dad, one of the things that we have My talked a lot... Hold on a second. Yeah, I was looking at that. That looks like the back of your microphone. Let's just walk around here and see what happens. Go ahead, though. Uh, okay. I'm still here. I'll let you fix that in uh, in just a second. So, uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot throughout the course of the week is whether or not Mississippi State was going to be able to play against the Georgia Bulldogs. They were close from a roster standpoint. We were waiting to get the test results from yesterday today with regard to COVID. Well, apparently there are a few more players that will not be available because of the results of that uh, COVID test that happened yesterday, but Mississippi State is still going to play. Now, if you think back to when we were going through the regulations from the SEC, the minimum roster size was 53, and then there were thresholds for different position groups. You had to have one scholarship quarterback. You had to have seven offensive linemen. You had to have three defensive linemen. As I understand it, there wasn't much wiggle room with regard to position groups, but with regard to the overall number of available players, if a team fell below the 53 scholarship player threshold, they could still appeal to the SEC and say, yeah, but we still want to play. We think we've got enough guys to do it. We can do it safely. And apparently that is the situation that Mississippi State finds itself in this weekend as they travel to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. What can you add to that, Mr. Haydad? Well, basically what I learned today was the 53 number is more about if you're over that number, you don't have any choice you have to play as long okay. as your position groups are good. Um, sure. The under under the number, like you said, you can they can they can still play the game. Uh, from what I can tell, the conference was sort of pushing for this game to happen, and Mississippi State wanted it to happen, so they've decided to make it a go. State will travel to Athens with forty nine scholarship players. Uh, now there'll, there'll be some walk ons in there, but that's that's how many are scholarship players are not going to be there. Uh, in that list, I know that Jordan Davis and Tyrus Wheat, two of the linebackers who play the same position. Will play, so you will have a linebacker there who has not played a snap at that at the strong side linebacker position. I'm, I've been told Malik Heath is not going to be there this weekend. Okay. Uh, KJ Costello is still out, so you know not not due to COVID, obviously. Uh, but that means that you know Will Rogers is the only scholarship quarterback. If Cust- if Rogers gets hurt this weekend and uh, Costello can't come back for the Egg Bowl, that game will not be played uh, at this time. So. I mean, it, it, what we talked about. Well, let's keep Will Rogers healthy tomorrow, then. Well, good luck with that. With forty-nine guys against one of the best teams in the country, we'll see what happens. I, I am curious if this sets any sort of a precedent or makes it the the decision easier or more difficult. If Mississippi State's roster situation stays similar 
from this week to next week, and you've already established that it's okay to play a game with fewer than 53 players, and you've got enough players available at each position group, does that make it more likely that the Egg Bowl gets played next week? Feels like it, yeah, because, I mean, what are you going to say? Even if you lose a couple of guys, I mean, what's the difference between 46 and 49 if your position groups are still good? And correct me if I'm wrong, aren't there a a group of guys, no matter how big or small, that are coming off of uh, contact tracing quarantine for next week? There should be. So, yeah, I I feel like as long as you keep Rodgers healthy, you should have that game. But if if you don't, then you're not going to. Doesn't it uh, look? I don't know the severity. I know you don't know the severity, but three weeks without playing, even now, KJ Costello could certainly make an individual decision with regard to how he is feeling or coming back off of a concussion. But three weeks is a pretty significant window for healing. Yeah. But it is a head injury. So, I mean, you know, you don't. Want to take any chances there? Oh no, no, of course you don't, and I'm I'm not suggesting no, no, that you do. No, no, but no, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you'll have guys that will miss a week, or sometimes will miss a couple yeah. of weeks as they work through concussion protocol. But I mean, unless and, and it was a tough lick that, that he yeah. took, and he went down hard on that. But unless it's something really severe, it's it's rare to see a yeah. player miss more than a couple of weeks because of concussion protocol, unless there's some other injury that we don't there's know about underlying as well. thing that we don't know about, and we're not going to get to know to know about. So, so yeah. yeah, that's where that's where Mississippi State is right now. Uh, they they will travel to Athens, way way undermanned uh, to play Georgia uh, tomorrow night. That, if nothing else, we know that the state is in in Georgia right now. Uh, one of the coaches uh, that I follow tweeted that they had touched down uh, about an hour ago. So that game's happening, and we'll see what happens as a result of it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, barring food poisoning at the team meal tonight, once you make the trip, like like you don't make the trip before you get the results. So the COVID test results came back this morning. Once it's established that you've got enough to play and you're going to go, if you get on that airplane and, and you fly, then something really crazy would have to happen between now and, I don't know, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon for yeah. this game to not be played. They're going to play it tomorrow. Uh, that that is going to be the case. So, all right. Then, so, with guess, some of the guys being out that you were talking about on defense, does that change things in your mind for Mississippi State? Change them how? I mean, I didn't think State was going to win. I didn't. No, think I understand cover. that. But the one thing that has been pretty consistent this year is the defense. You know, has has well, been pretty good. This is what I said on the podcast, and, I, and I'll bring it here. That I feel like for State offensively, the scheme is the problem. Right, I I don't believe State's players are as bad as they have they look, but because of what MSU wants to do offensively right now, they they they, they look that bad. I think it's the opposite on defense. I think the scheme is the reason they've been successful because from a talent perspective, they aren't as good as they've played. They they haven't played. Remember the number one defense in the in the SEC going into the Vanderbilt game. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that they are that talented. So I think that Arnett's scheme has been a big part of that. So that leads you to believe that maybe they could still be pretty good, but eventually you reach a point of. of I mean, you, you're Pickering's out. Uh, Murphy is gone. You, you've lost. Uh, you know, two of your linebackers now. I mean, eventually you're going to be playing guys who haven't played all year. Some guys maybe haven't played at all. You're talking about some true freshmen are going to have to play this weekend that haven't played this year. So. 
it would just be human nature to think they're going to not be as good defensively as they've been all year. I, w- I would be surprised if they are. If they are as good as they've been this year and they're able to limit Georgia in some form or fashion, I mean, it just goes to show you what, what kind of coach Zach Arnett is. In some ways, also uh, an opportunity for some of those younger guys to show that, hey, I've kind of grown up a little bit during the course of the season, and you get real live reps against a really good football team to uh, kind of show what you can do. And Maybe. it's one of those things that might pay off down the road. Yeah, it's not going to pay off this year, but this is something that, and I think we talked about this as well in Thunder and Lightning, that you know, you, you're going to go into 2022, I guess, with a bunch of young players who will technically be sophomores, I guess, or whatever it is you want to call them, but they've played a lot of snaps in the SEC because of what's going on this season. So, yeah, you know, this could be something that if you want to try to find some sort of silver lining in there, that would be one of them. You want to be part of the show, you can do so on the uh, C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Tim in McGee says, Ole Miss did that for three years, shorthanded. That's yeah, a little different. A little, little different situation. but uh, This one's kind of self-imposed to some degree. Yeah, yeah some, I mean, could, some. Uh, some would argue yeah. that some of Ole Miss's was self-imposed as well, just in a yeah, different way. A different way. Uh, do you think, uh, because this is, uh, 49 players in a college football game is a shocking number. I if mean, I had a 49er shirt, by the way, I would have worn it today, <laughs> but I don't own one. Do you think it's possible that the SEC is not applying pressure, because there's really nothing they can do, but kind of encouraging them to try to play? Or is Mississippi State, Mike Leach, just, you know, we've got a game, no, no, we've got guys, I, we can play, we're going to play... I, I Doesn't believe matter. the conference has has made its its feelings known that they want this game to happen. Okay. Yeah. So get a message a also that says, "Good grief, Richard! This is not about Ole Miss. Pathetic! You're chomping at the bit. You're better than the message board bantering that State is doing this to not play the Egg Bowl." I, I missed where I said anything remotely related to what you just texted us. If that makes you feel a, better, good for you. But guess it what? It was implied. A conversation about whether or not the Egg Bowl gets played in eight days is kind of relevant to a show that is called Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for the message. Alan Columbus says, we ain't scared. Hashtag Hail State. text line with the uh, gentleman that is angry with me during the break. He said that, Richard, you said you hope you could keep the only Scully quarterback healthy um, so the Egg Bowl could be played. Ole Miss has nothing to do with this story. You implied it. You know you did. Ask Brian. I responded to him. I hope that Will Rogers stays healthy this week for multiple reasons. One of which is Mississippi State needs a healthy quarterback to be able to play next week in the Egg Bowl. Yes, guilty as charged. I followed it up with, and if you think Ole Miss has nothing to do with this story when the Rebels and the Bulldogs are scheduled to play in eight days, you're delusional. 
He says, replay it and listen to your voice. You are being the Ole Miss opportunist fan with that comment. It also might have something to do with the fact is that for about 300 days out of the year, because that's about the number of working days we have in a year, we talk a lot about Ole Miss and Mississippi State playing each other in football. Welcome to Mississippi. It's kind of a big deal. No, actually, no. We'd much rather have a game in which Ole Miss can't play this weekend because of one COVID-positive test and Mississippi State play Georgia. That's what we would rather have. That, Richard, is what pays the bills around here. Notice he isn't asking me. You know, He, he knows. He knows. I'm asking you, Mr. Haydad. I mean, he said I ask you. Yeah, I know you did. Luke Johnson joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Happy Friday, Luke. Man, to everybody involved in that drama, I mean, Metamucil does wonders. That's just my weekly tip to all of you. Just a bit stopped up. Has that been part of your healing regimen, Metamucil? Uh, no, Richard. It has Don't answer that question, please. COVID nineteen. Ask Doctor Dobbs. I guarantee you, it's not. Y'all just y'all need to breathe some on that text line. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, what's up, man? Oh, well, you you asked me the question last week. Will Jack Abraham play again as a uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagle answer? Today is uh, no Jack entering the transfer portal as a graduate transfer finishes fourth in school history and completions sixth in school history and yards and seventh in school history and touchdowns and uh I, I mean based off some of the reactions we've seen on social media probably the best that he's entering the transfer portal i think there is a kind of consensus you know there's always two sides to the story but probably best he's just kind of moving on and we talked about this last week and just you know you, you opt out because of COVID-19, not because of other issues. And it seems like he just kind of walked out on everybody during the game week. And I don't think that set well with a lot of people. I thought there was an interesting uh, section in the story that uh, Patrick McGee wrote. He said, Abraham initially hoped to remain with the team to help Lowe and second stringer Tate Watley and had left open the possibility of playing at Southern Miss in 2021 under a new head coach. But the staff informed Abraham on Sunday of this past week that it would be best if he did not remain with the team for the remainder of the season. For his part, Tim Billings, the interim head coach, said he's not here. No one worked harder or was more committed to the team while he was here, but he's no longer here. What do you make of that? It's what we said last week. I mean, you you take uh, the majority of the reps before a conference game that you feel like you can win, and then you walk in on Thursday of game week and tell everybody you're opting out, and you, you just kind of feel like you leave your team out to dry when you do that. And I think that's the kind of what um it looks like that's that's what happened and so um you know just something in my crawl and this is a whole other segment but you know the most misused overused reason for people these days is i gotta do what's best for me and my family and i mean personally as a former player i'm just kind of sick of that excuse or kind of that sentiment you you put your name to a paper um to commit to a university and they pay for your education on the flip side and you ride it out. I mean, if you don't like it, it's one thing to transfer at the end of the year, but don't do it in the middle of the season. And, if yeah. you know, the, the opt-out was created for COVID-19. And so if you've got health issues, then, you know, stick around. But don't act like you're going you're gonna to play and then walk in, you know, the Thursday before a, uh, 
before a conference game and say, yeah, I'm, I'm opting out. I just, I think pretty much the response from, from Southern Miss has been kind of tells really what, what happened in that situation. And it's unfortunate because Dak's been a really good dude. I mean, he's been a really good player for Southern Miss and you just hate to see things end, you know, like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, you know, coming off what was, I guess, a relatively serious concussion, I mean, I mean, it, uh, I don't know if all concussions are created equally, but if you had a guy that said, I don't feel comfortable going out there right now after a concussion, but I'm 100% a part of this team, that that's one thing. And, and I think that's what I hear you saying, Luke, but maybe that's not the way it went, given the fact that he went through practice throughout the course of the week. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going, if, if you're concerned about your health, then that that's fine. But you need to make that known from the beginning, and it, I just I feel like um, based off what we've seen and what we've heard that he was, and everybody was led to believe that he was going to play a conference game, and then he just kind of pulled the plug out. And of course, you saw it last week. Southern Miss, you know, I even think if Trey Lowe had an extra couple of days to prepare, I mean, Southern Miss wins that game. I mean, it just it's what's so frustrating about it. And, uh, you know, it's hard It's hard to get two guys ready to play, especially when you're on game plan around one guy. Good news is this week it looks like Tate Watley will be back for Southern Miss against UTSA. Luke, I read that article uh, this morning that, that you were quoted in from The Athletic, Chris Vanini's article about the, the overall state of the Southern Miss program. Is it? Do you feel like it, it's as dire as it sort of that article made it out to be? Yeah, Chris contacted me a couple weeks ago and, and said he, you know, just writing an article on the kind of the state of what Southern Miss is. Um, I was kind of blown away realizing how, you know, you just have to remind yourself how good it was. Eight losing seasons from 1935 to 2011. And then, of course, you know, when you look at where you are today, I think that article more than anything speaks of how serious, I think I said it in the article, how serious and how really program-hinging this next hire is. And Jeremy McLean has had one major decision after another since he's come in, maybe <laughs> relatively some of the hardest decisions the AD's had to make in a short period of time. And, but that's what it is right here. I mean, you know, if the if Power 5, Group 5 split, then you want, you know, to be on the, the uppity side of that. Um, I don't think there's any scenario where Southern Miss would, would go to the FCS, but if you tank, 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 then, you know, you, and anything's on the table. So, so, yeah, I think there is validity to – I thought it was a great article on how he framed it and, you know, just getting inside and outside opinions on it. And Jeremy was pretty frank in that. I think it just all goes back to how serious the, really the next two weeks – the next two weeks in Southern Miss football, the next three weeks really spell out what happens in the next 20 years. Luke, we've talked some about this, you know, big-picture stuff as it pertains to, to the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, especially uh, on the football front. And the landscape has just changed so very much in the last, certainly in the last decade, but even in the last four, five, six years. And it's changed on multiple fronts. It's changed with conference realignment. It's changed with how television deals are negotiated. It has changed with regard to programs that are, you know, in the same general geographic footprint with some commitments to facilities and becoming more relevant. It, it's a hard road ahead any way you look at it, isn't it? Yeah, it, that, that's historically Southern Miss has not churned out the type of, you know, boosters or money people. 
simply because I think I said in the article, you know, we started as a Mississippi Normal College. I mean, literally, that's what it is. Southern Miss has always been the school of the blue collar. It hasn't been the school of the, the engineer or, uh, you know, the doctor or the lawyer. And, you know, it, it takes a whole lot of people, you know, putting their, you know, two two coins in really to, to make up for what some of the other schools, you know, have. And, and Jeremy McLean did. He told us uh, a couple weeks ago that they were planning on rolling out, you know, some, some long-range vision facility stuff. COVID kind of put that on the uh, on the, the pause button. But they're looking in the spring to roll out some stuff. And, you know, I mean, it, it's what's interesting is um, – Reed Green Coliseum just got a floor upgrade, uh, just got a lighting upgrade, really nice. And of course, you know, you know what they've done at, at baseball and um, the volleyball center. I guess is, is questionable based off some statewide stuff. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, they have they have upgraded these you know different things, and it seems like football has kind of been you know towards the back, and it's kind of odd. And and I think there are some there's some legitimate beef when people say, well, you need to upgrade football. I think that's coming. Uh, and the what will contribute to all that is the excitement of of this hire. And again, I, I really do think that the next two or three weeks really sets the course for ten or fifteen years for Southern Miss. Hey, quick question here. Maybe I don't have enough time for you to be able to really get into it. But this text says, does Luke have the same opinion about Jay Hobson quitting on the kids early in the season that you have about um, Jack Abraham leaving the completely program? Completely different. I think it's completely different. I think that was a. Mutual decision, I, I, you know. I, I don't view that Hobson quit on anybody. That's, that's really not not in his not in his uh, the, the, the type of guy he is. Um, and of course, you know, if you look at it from time wise, it was you know a whole different situation, a whole different timeline, and it's two, two totally different situations. Luke, always appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend. All right, guys. Big one tonight. West Jones at Laurel. We'll be calling it on Super Talk Laurel. But uh, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks. You as well. I'll take songs you're not going to hear being played on Saturday for 500. The late Mr. Alex. Mm. So, Mississippi State's setting a bit of a precedent here. I wonder how many scholarship players Texas A&M had available. You want to bet it's higher than 49? It's got to be the position groups, though. It's got that's that's what it has to be. The position group. Yeah. Just saying, if Mississippi State can play this weekend, Texas A&M should be on the field playing this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Vanderbilt played for weeks with like 55 guys. Texas A&M should be playing this weekend. You, you've been pretty adamant about this all week long. It's just funny. I mean, how is it that every other program can have multiple positives Ole Miss, remember, Richard, a few weeks ago had guys that tested positive. Other guys had to get into quarantine. Luckily, the numbers weren't very high. But Vanderbilt's been through it. They played, like I said, I think it was three games with under 56 guys available. And they played and got smoked, but they played. Missouri had, what was it, a couple dozen guys out in their season opener against Alabama, but they played. Mississippi State is in Athens, Georgia, with under 50 players available in the game. And they're playing. Arkansas is a player or two away. That's what Sam Pittman said earlier this week. Yeah. They're playing. LSU, big game. One that they could win if they were at full strength. They still could, but 
full strength would be nicer. But they're playing. Texas A&M, though, one positive test, and they can't play. Just saying. I sent you that clip from uh, Sam Pittman a couple of days ago, and uh, he said that today was a big day as they took, I guess it was yesterday, when he met with the media. He said, you know, we took our COVID test this morning, and we're not in great shape, but uh, we'll wait and see. Said our plan right now is to play the game. Everything we've talked about with our team is revolving around playing the game. Our guys want to play the game. We got to have enough guys to play it. But if we got enough guys to play it, we will be playing it. That's what Sam Pittman said yesterday. And a friend of the show, Ross Dillinger, reported this morning that the game is on. So they must have gotten through the tests and all that. And they will be playing tomorrow. We get a message that says it's Jimbo. He makes Hugh Freeze look like a saint. Old buddy searching his name on Twitter again. Who is? Hugh? Yeah, a uh, a guy I know that does radio over in South Carolina got the uh, the treatment because he said, didn't at him, like always, just said Hugh Freeze in his mind would be a C hire. He thinks that South Carolina should go after Napier or Venables before they would go to Freeze because of the baggage and stuff like that. In the replies... Multiple times, engaging with multiple people about how I wish you would take the time to get to know me and all that, you know, that stuff. Is the silence deafening? Hey, I got a buddy text me earlier and said, that's the kind of growth I want in my coach, though. It's not DMs anymore. It's just getting right into the replies of people. It's public now. Do it. Oh, man. Next up, FaceTime. (laughs) But, man, I mean, right now, you're trying to sell yourself to big-time programs to to show Ray Tanner and whatever other job comes open. If Michigan comes open, if Texas unlikely comes open, but there are going to be jobs that come open, and you are trying to sell yourself as not being a good football coach, because that's undeniable. Put down the Twitters. That's that's what people are looking for. It's not the ability to coach. Everybody and their brother knows he's a heck of a football coach. And even though the teams that they're beating at Liberty aren't great, let's not pretend like Liberty's some just bastion for bringing in a bunch of players. And, and I mean, it's it's Liberty, and he's they winning. They got a big game this weekend, by the way. They do with NC Liberty State. Liberty and NC State. I mean, they, they went to Vir- Blacksburg, Virginia and won a game. The guy can coach football. That's not going to be the question in the interview of how— how are you going to win games? We all know how that's going to happen. But it's the other well, stuff. We know. Yeah. Well, it's the other stuff, though. It's can you handle this? And if that, if this is still going on and I'm Ray Tanner, I'm like, man, this is what killed you at Ole Miss. This kind of stuff. Not your coaching. It was this. Now, how am I going to bring you right back into the league in a state that's a little bit tougher than Mississippi as far as criticism goes? Not much, but a little bit. And you're still doing this? Nah, I'll, I'll go call Billy. This is like your audition. Log off. Let your intern do it. What Mark Ryan I, says on Twitter doesn't matter at all, so don't engage him. I fully expect you to get a uh, message from the aforementioned coach after... Uh, 
Yeah. I don't. I, I absolved that. He blocked me once, but I absolved the correct messages somehow. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. That means it can only be As, uh, time for a conversation with our friend Bruce Marshall on the Big Ten Network. The Gold Bruce, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Rich. Um Another interesting week in college football. We have some uh, matchups that are a little bit surprising and are atypical of what we would expect, especially when we look at point spreads. We see a top ten matchup between Indiana and Ohio State with a uh, you know a, a reasonable spread there, and uh, we see Florida State as a thirty-five point underdog. Eh, weird times all around. Yeah, it is, and. Uh... You know, the uh, the Florida State number, yeah, that's indicative of what's going on there. Florida State, Clemson, at risk of losing back-to-back games for the first time since 2011, though I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, we'll just bring it up. But, yeah, interesting that Indiana is involved in the game of the week. It's been a long time since we've said anything like that, but I think if there is one game that means the most this weekend or most meaningful in the polls, probably that uh, top-ten battle Hoosiers and Buckeyes. When's the last time we've had Indiana in the top ten? Yeah, it's certainly I, you would be better equipped to answer that question than uh, than me, but uh, it certainly feels like it has uh, has been a while. I, I think there are a couple of interesting games in the uh, in the SEC. Let's talk with Mississippi State, who uh, has been in peril all week long of whether or not they were going to have enough players to be able to play this game. Uh, news comes out today that they are under the 53-man threshold but got an exception from the league and will be able to play. And so you got Georgia, who's now going to start JT Daniels. I think Georgia currently a 25-point favorite in this game. What do you make of the game in Athens? You know, this is uh, this, this game is sort of indicative of college football 2020. All that's happened, uh, you know, the COVID has delayed so the, the Mississippi State side there, uh, the Leach thing, Georgia – has cycled through all these quarterbacks. Remember, up into late August, uh, we thought it was going to be Jamie Newman at quarterback for Georgia. Right. The Wake Forest transfer, and then he bops out, and then uh, you know Kirby goes to Bennett, and then uh, Daniels, the SC transfer, isn't uh, ready at the outset. I-, I think at some point people thought Daniels would get in there. Uh, Mathis obviously isn't ready, and-, and Bennett is hurting. Even if Bennett wasn't KO'd in the last game, I think they might have switched to Daniels here. The, the bigger surprise is that Bleach's offense – and we we knew it struggled some at Washington State his first year there, but it has really struggled since the LSU game this year. Nothing's been working for them. They even got outgained two to one by Vandy in the last game. They somehow managed to win. I'm not sure if Costello, the, the Stanford transfer, is back, but he's been horrible since the first game. And Rogers, the uh, freshman, has not been able to throw the ball more than four or five yards downfield. So. Uh, Georgia should be a little bit healthier defensively. They've had some depletion in the secondary with some injuries. I don't think that would matter this week, though, because Mississippi State is in such turmoil. And it's we'll see if Daniels can uh, ignite this offense a little bit. 32-3, Georgia. Score forecast here. Mississippi State ain't scoring any points. I don't think they'll score any points against Georgia this week either. 32-3, the predicted final in that one. I'm really intrigued by the 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. LSU at Arkansas. LSU's been a disaster. They haven't played in a couple of weeks. Arkansas has been able to get all of their games in, and they've looked good, and they've been competitive outside of their game against Florida last week. And yet we look up, and here, 
LSU is favored against the Razorbacks in Fayetteville. Is this one of those where you're going to tell me wrong team favored? Yeah, I think so. This is a reputation reality game. I mean, LSU ain't what it was last year, and we knew that right from the start, Rich. We've talked about that since September. Uh, and it, right when it looked like they might be turning some things around the South Carolina game, then it all blows up the next week down at Jordan-Hare. And uh, Finley apparently is going to start uh, this game again. Miles Brennan is out. Finley has been really hot and cold. We might see some of uh, Johnson, the other freshman. But uh, the problem for uh, Coach O has been that defense, though. I think Bo Pelini's probably coaching for his job as a coordinator the last month here. And it hasn't worked out uh, too uh, too well. Arkansas has been a lot more consistent this year. You know, Coach Pittman wasn't with the team last week at Gainesville. They ran into a red-hot Kyle Trask. Um, they're not running into a guy like Trask this week. Uh, interesting stat, Felipe Franks has only thrown one pick since the opening game against Georgia Rich, which means he's really sort of picked up the nuances of the Kendall Biles offense. And this, I think, underscores how clever Biles has been. He has not been able, he has not been putting Franks in tough positions. Uh, this team has been very well organized this year, a lot more so than LSU. And one of the few consistent things in the SEC has been Arkansas covering numbers, 33-24. Razorbacks. Yeah, I do think the wrong team is favored in Fayetteville tomorrow. All right, so out, uh, outright win for Arkansas at home over LSU. Interesting game in Columbia, South Carolina. You got the uh, the Battle of the Comos, uh, or, or the Columbias anyway. Missouri is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This number went up after South Carolina cut Will Muschamp loose. I'm not sure if that should have been the reason that it went up, but it's been several players that have left South Carolina this week. They give up a million points last Saturday night to uh, to Ole Miss. Missouri, you would think, probably pretty healthy. Been a little while since they've been able to play. This is only their sixth game of the year. What do we do with Missouri as a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road? I would not lay it here. I would maybe take it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been an upheaval week, but sometimes you see teams uh, respond uh, short-term uh, to an interim, uh, and um uh, you might see that here with uh, Mike Bobo uh, doing, uh, you know, taking over for the rest of the way here for South Carolina. It really fell apart the last couple of weeks. The pace of their games got way too fast the last few weeks, and they fell behind early. And it just—they're not. This team has never been built to uh, go up and down the field like that in lickety split tempo. They're going to slow the tempo down a bit here. I caution Missouri backers here. The Tigers have only played uh, two road games this year. Uh, they are barely scoring 14 points per game, and they got thrashed in both those games, albeit well, Tennessee, that doesn't look so great in retrospect, and Florida. Uh, but they are a much different team at home than they are on the road. There's no way I'd lay this one. Uh, in fact, I think South Carolina might win one for their departed coach, 31-28 Gamecocks for Coach Bobo uh, tomorrow. All right, so that's uh, South Carolina getting points at home. I want to ask you about one other SEC game, Tennessee at Auburn. Auburn a 10.5-point favorite. Tennessee has been really so bad since, what, the uh, halftime of the game against oh, was it? Uh, it was against Georgia. Yeah, they were competitive, yeah. and then all of a sudden they look like a different team and have ever since. Is this too many points, or is this okay on the planes? I don't think it's too many points. We're just going to keep riding against Tennessee. You mentioned the troubles they've had. It's A lot of it's been on offense. Garantano was knocked out of the game a couple weeks ago. He had not been playing well. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, as of this morning, had not named his starter for this game. Uh, he cycled all the way to the Bailey, the freshman, a couple weeks ago at Arkansas. Bailey was a disaster. This offense has been a disaster uh, for the last four games. They haven't been within single digits of anybody. And, uh, you know, they're really struggling. Gus 
uh, he, he scaled his offense back to Bo Nix's uh, benefit. He hasn't thrown a pick his last two games. This is a Tank Bigsby offense now, and if they play like they did against LSU, uh, Auburn's going to win this game. Though it's been three weeks since we've seen Gus's team. Uh, 32-13, our score forecast Auburn. This is also mostly an anti-Tennessee vote tomorrow at Jordan-Hare. All right, Bruce, uh, let's pause just for a second for you to uh, let folks know where uh, they can get your picks. Thanks, Rich. Check us out online, goldsheet.com. You can uh, read about the college hoops. I actually put a little bit of there, but on top 25, I think they're going to start playing next week. And uh, all the games for this weekend, too. Goldsheet.com. My picks there are also Vegas Insider and DonBest.com. And you can also read my stuff in Decent's Point Spread Weekly. And don't forget, you can follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall if you would like to uh, do so there. Uh, let's talk about a couple of games outside the uh, the footprint of the uh, of the SEC. Bedlam tomorrow night. ABC, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State getting seven points on the road, and the total is actually under 60 in this game, which is a little surprising to me. Yeah, uh, Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State has tr- turned things into more of a defensive team. Jim Knowles, the coordinator, doing a very good job. A lot of blitz packages, so they'll show Spencer Rattler, who is in there, by the way. He was uh, knocked around the last game. But he'll be in there uh, for Oklahoma. They'll be showing him a lot more than Texas Tech and Kansas did the last two games. So I don't look for Oklahoma to score 62 again like it did the last two. However, uh, Mike Gundy has historically had trouble winning these games, uh, although it has been sort of a visitor point spread series. This is a fair price. Tuba Hubbard is not putting up those Barry Sanders-like uh, numbers as he did last year for Oak State. Their offense has just been laboring some. I think Oklahoma might be the best team in the Big 12 right now. And I think they'll probably still get over this total. Uh, 40-27, our score forecast. Oklahoma, uh, as I mentioned, they have scored 62 each of their last two games. Lesser defenses, to be sure, but it looks like Spencer Rattler is figuring things out real quick for the Lincoln-Riley offense. Bruce, uh, let's uh, let's give people a Thanksgiving treat. Give me a game that you love that we've not talked about. Uh, and I'll give you one for tonight. You don't have to wait long for it. New Mexico plus 9.5 or so at Air Force. Rocky Long, defensive coordinator at New Mexico, beat Air Force all seven times. He was San Diego State's head coach. When Bob Davey was New Mexico's head coach, they covered seven of the last eight against Air Force. New Mexico, by the way, is basing its operation in Las Vegas now. They aren't even living in Albuquerque. Hmm. But they can go up there. They're not playing bad at all. They can go into Air Force tonight and keep this thing really close against the Falcons, if not win it outright. Take New Mexico tonight. There you go. A little Friday night special from Bruce Marshall at the Gold Sheet. Bruce, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for your time, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Rich. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. We are about 15 minutes away from our high school football preview. By the way, programming note, we are done with the high school preview show for the year, so you will not get that when we finish, but... There will be a Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's high school football scoreboard show at its normal time starting at 10 o'clock tonight and going until 11.30. Lighter slate of games because we've gotten deeper into the playoffs, and we'll get into that coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Always appreciate uh, Bruce Marshall joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Anything Bruce picked or said that uh, surprised you or jumped out at you a little bit? He likes the Hogs. I'm curious about that game in particular because, I mean, LSU has had weeks now to get relatively healthy. They're not going to have Miles Brennan, and 
we'll see what happens behind him. But if Arkansas is really reeling, wouldn't you think that even though LSU has been less than impressive athletically, I mean, I mean LSU has a better, more talented roster, and if it's healthier than Arkansas, I mean, everybody thinks the Razorbacks are just going to win this game and LSU's awful and a dumpster fire and all that, but there's a talent gap between these two. And one team is a player away from not being able to play the game, and the other team is weeks healthy and rested and ready. Here's my take on this. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Michigan and Indiana played? And we talked about that game three or four different times throughout the course of the week. And what did I say over and over and over? I said, Indiana is the better football team. Michigan is favored in this game because of those sweet helmets that everybody recognizes, because of their brand. And you know what I did? You you know what I did at the very last minute? I picked Michigan after I said all week long, Indiana's the play here, Indiana's the play here, Indiana's the better football team, and it doggone if I didn't pick Michigan. It was stupid. I'm not going to let myself do that again. I may be wrong, but I think you're looking at the exact same thing here. Arkansas, right now, is better than LSU. Maybe the roster's not as talented. Maybe they don't have the helmets and the white jerseys and the gold britches and all that good stuff. But Arkansas has played better than LSU this year. They just have. And so I'm not going to go the other way. I'm going to stick with Arkansas on this. Arkansas has a big talent gap with Auburn, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and they should be three and zero against those teams. They are two and one. Yeah, more Asterisk. than should be. They are three and zero, absent SEC front office corruption. Yeah, but, well, that's not what the uh, scoreboard in the sky says. Well, it's funny, you know, when the SEC robs Arkansas of a win over Auburn, it cuts to a Yellowwood commercial. Hmm. Tinfoil hat on, black helicopters in the sky. Yeah, you you got that going in a uh, <laughs> that, in a big way. That does crack me up, though. I, you know what they say about optics? Yeah. Um. What about some of these other games this weekend? I don't know the that we've game. done the full walk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The other game that, that stood out, what he was saying, was South Carolina to me in that. I, I get yeah, what he's saying. That. A lot of times, a lot of times that you get the interim coach in there, and and you know things. But happen. the interim coach is Mike Bobo. That's that's what I was going to say. Is that it's interim coach Mike Bobo? I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not buying into that. When we get to the picks, I'll, I'll be all over Missouri. There has there ever been a least or a less inspiring interim head coach than <sighs> that guy? He said on his uh, on the radio show last night or the night before. It is what it is. We're going to go play a football game. Don't boo these guys. They're playing hard. Please support them. And about that tone. There's a couple of former South Carolina players in the NFL that have taken to Twitter to express their displeasure with how the fan base has acted. It's like, have you been on the internet before? <laughs> it's not always the uh, the prettiest place. And it's not a gauge at all of what the fan base actually thinks about the team that they put on the field at all. All right, so here are your top 25 matchups this weekend. 11 a.m. tomorrow on Fox, number 9, Indiana, at number 3, Ohio State. Ohio State's a 20-and-a-half point favorite. Total in this game is 66-and-a-half. 
I mean, that's like a 40 to 20. No, that's like 45 to 20, 46 to 20. That sound about right? Yeah. You see it being that lopsided? It's either going to be a blowout. By the way, I didn't do the math right on that. I I did not do the math math even remotely right on that. Sorry, go ahead. I think either Ohio State blows them out or Indiana wins. I don't think it's a close Ohio State win. Clemson, a 35-and-a-half-point favorite at Florida State. Florida's favored by 31-and-a-half at Vanderbilt. Coastal Carolina, ranked 15th in the country and undefeated. Five-point favorite at home against Appalachian State. Those are the 11 o'clock games involving top 25 teams. You push it to 2 o'clock, BYU's hosting North Alabama. I don't even see a line on that game. Uh, 2.30, UCF hosting Cincinnati. Cincinnati's only a six-point favorite at UCF. Bearcats are 7-0 and on the year. UCF is 5-2 and on the season. This is one of those games where, in a different year, I might be looking at this one kind of sideways because that's got like 40,000, 42,000 people in that loud metal stadium in Orlando just kind of right on top of you. But without that, doesn't, doesn't Cincinnati kind of cruise in this game? I think so. But, I mean, you never know. Yeah. I saw somebody suggest with, with that. a group of five teams, I never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so somebody suggests that Luke Fickle is on South Carolina's shortlist and that he would take that job, and I, I have a feeling his eyes are, with all due respect, much higher than that. Not like it's a bad job, but he didn't have to leave Cincinnati for that one. Yeah, 2.30 on ABC, number 10, Wisconsin, at number 19, Northwestern. Wisconsin's a 7.5-point favorite. Graham Mertz and the Badgers are 2-0, and Wisconsin – off to a 4-0 start. And, uh, man, Pat Fitzgerald's such a good coach. Even when they have a year where things don't go well, it feels like they immediately bounce back. Just, like, immediately. UCLA is at Oregon. That game kicks off at 2.30 on ESPN2. That means it is a 12.30 local kick. Oregon is a 17-point favorite in the game. Speaking of Northwestern, what would you guess his worst season has ever been at Northwestern. I'm sure he's had nah, a losing like, season, but so he went look. he went three four, and four, nine, eight, five and seven. He went three okay. and nine last year, but like you said, bounced back right away. The only other season where he won fewer than five games, and that has only happened twice. So he's won more than five games every season of his career at Northwestern, but four. One of which was his first season when they went four and eight. And that was all the way back in 2006, if you can believe that. So he's been the coach there since 2006 and has only had four seasons of which they did not win six games or more. That's incredible there. Unless, and I don't really think this is an option, the NFL comes calling somewhere along the way and Pat Fitzgerald decides he wants to take a shot at being a professional football coach. It feels like he's a 25 to 30 year guy at one school. He's won 10 games three times, nine games twice at Northwestern. So in 14, I guess this is his 15th season. He's got five seasons in which he's won nine or more football games. Yep. 
and there's you can throw an eight in there. There was an eight and five season in there. I, I mean, in in '07, imagine how much college football has changed. Went six and six, didn't go to a bowl game. That doesn't happen anymore. No, it does not. Bama's a 30-point favorite at home against Kentucky. The total in that game is 58. Iowa State favored by 11 at home against Kansas State. Auburn, we gave you that a second ago, a 10.5-point favorite at home against Tennessee. That's at 6 o'clock, 6.30. Georgia favored by 25 over Mississippi State. Also at 6.30, OU is a 7-point favorite over Oklahoma State at Bedlam. Interesting game in Raleigh where number 21 undefeated Liberty Goes into five and three NC State, and the Wolfpack is a four and a half point favorite at home against Hugh Freeze and Liberty. So we'll see how that one shakes out. How do you feel about some Pac 12 football that you can fall asleep to on Saturday night? 9 30 Central Time kickoff, Southern Cal in Salt Lake City to take on Utah. First game of the year for the Utes. Southern Cal is favored in the game by three. They are 2-0. and They have yet to cover a point spread, and they could very easily be 0-2. Multiple score fourth quarter deficits in each of their first two games, and the Trojans have come back to win both of them. That one tomorrow night, 9.30 Central on ESPN. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's talk some high school football with Will and Gags when we come back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Who is that, Borky? What band is that? Florida. Is it? It is. It's one of those where there's like a long, slow buildup before it gets to something I recognize. Maybe this? Yeah, maybe. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you on this Friday afternoon. Yeah. I recognize that part. Glad to have you along. Stephen Gagliano joins us now as well. Let's talk some high school football as we dive deeper into the playoffs in the state of Mississippi. Four games in all four class or all six classifications. Steven, are we going to get four games in in all six classifications? As far as I know, we are heading into tonight with no cancellations. And I knocked yeah. on wood earlier when I said that, and I'll do it again just in case. I don't want to jinx the entire state. Let's just start in 6A and walk our way through as far as we can get. Hernando is at Oxford. Oxford is 10-0 on the year. Hernando got the win against South Panola last week. This is a rematch from a game earlier in the season, one in which uh, Oxford kind of struggled for a while and then kind of pulled away in the second half. That's right, and the overarching theme coming into tonight, and it's a cliche because it had to be true at some point, is that it is difficult to beat the same team twice. And throughout the state tonight, I've counted up, let's see, one, two, three, four, about seven or eight regular season rematches. So we're going to find out. Out of 24 out, games. What do you mean? Oh, out of, all, uh, sorry, out of 24 yeah. games. I thought you yeah, said yeah. there were 24. I was going to say not that many, but <laughs> no, nope, no, nope. we You're are going to. We're going to put that to the test tonight in games like Oxford versus Hernando. Hernando, we already saw them get better and beat a team that they lost to earlier in the season, as they avenged their loss to South Panola last week, and now they're going against an Oxford team that, 
almost fell to Madison Central last week. They struggled their way through that game as well, and then able to hold Madison Central on a potentially game-tying two-point conversion at the end of the game. So I think that's going to be a really intriguing matchup, and Hernando has a chance to snap what is now a 23-game winning streak for Oxford. Warren Central and Clinton are both 9-2. and two. Another, uh, another rematch of a regular season game, and I think in this one, Clinton really is playing their best football of the season and probably playing better football than anybody in the state right now. They beat Horn Lake 35-7 in round one, and that's, of course, coming off of the dominant performance against Starkville in the regular season finale. So I think you've got a Clinton team that is really hot right now playing against a Warren Central team that is coming off of one of those de facto buys from the first round as their game with Tupelo was canceled. So while Warren Central is going to be well-rested, I think they're running into a Clinton team that's playing as good as anybody. So those are the two north half games in 6A. South half, Harrison Central is 8-2. and two. They've got to go to Oak Grove. That is never an easy task. Oak Grove sitting undefeated on the season. And that one is going to be one where you want to take the over. Oak Grove is <laughs> averaging about 45 points per game. Harrison Central, a little under 34 points a game. So this one is going to be very high scoring. Northwest Rankin, who continues to impress as they have all season long, sitting there at 8-3, and three, maybe, maybe the biggest challenge of the season for Northwest Rankin is they go to D'Iberville, who is 10-0. and 0. I'd say so, and a D'Iberville team that had to survive in round one, so I think they're going to want to make a statement tonight. They had to outlast Pedal 33-31, and they actually scored on a fourth down with about 18 seconds left to win last week. So I think D'Iberville is going to you know, maybe try to get out there early, build a lead, and try to move on as quickly as they can, but Northwest Rankin is not an easy team to put away. They're led by Cam Marion, one of the state's better running backs. So I think that is going to be a really tough challenge for Northwest Rankin, but going up against possibly an, uh, you know, a susceptible D'Iberville team in the playoffs. Gags, who do you think the favorite is in 6A at this point with, uh, with eight teams remaining, four games, north half on the horizon, or excuse me, uh, uh, north half, south half on the horizon next week? Based solely on the winning streak, I think you you can say Oxford. Just you know, like I said, they've won twenty three games in a row. So until somebody beats them and, and says otherwise that they'd be the favorite, I think you can go with the Chargers right now or a team like Oak Grove that is just scoring at an unbelievable level right now, forty five points a game. I think from the coast, I think they might be your favorite right now. So those I'll give you a North and a South uh, favorite okay. right now, and that would be Oak Grove and Oxford. I will say this, and I, I get that I'm biased. That, that, that's that's fair. Chris Cutcliffe is a heck of a football coach. This Oxford team was not supposed to be sitting here at 10-0 and going into the second round of the playoffs, favored and uh, trying to get back to uh, North Half after all that they lost from that team a season ago. They lost so much of their production, and this season they've still just kind of had to piece it together. They're still rotating quarterbacks. They're rotating yep. running backs. So this is not a traditional team in the sense where you know who exactly is going to run out for every series. You're still seeing a rotation, which we talked about much earlier in the season, as maybe, well, they'll figure it out a couple games in. But they're still doing it this way, and it's obviously working for them. West Point is at Grenada as we go from 6A to 5A. West Point sitting there at 9-3. and Grenada has been really good this season. They are 8-2 and two on the year. 
Seems like West Point, who had maybe a little bit of a stumble along the way, is kind of back where we expected them to be. You're exactly right. And about midway through the season, they had three losses, which is not a place that West Point has found themselves in a long time. Had to have a few things break their way, and they had to win the last couple weeks of the regular season, even to end up in the playoffs. But here they are, now going against a Grenada team that they lost to during that kind of mid-season slide, uh, 28-21. So it was still a competitive game in the regular season, and I would anticipate West Point getting a win tonight and avenging that loss from earlier in the regular season. Neshoba Central sitting there at 10-1 and in the north as well. They're hosting Ridgeland tonight. Is Neshoba Central the best team in 5A? They very well could be, and they're, of course, led by the Mr. Football Award winner in 5A, and that is running back Jarquez Hunter, who has a couple SEC offers. Uh, But they're going against a Ridgeland team tonight that had a little bit of that magic last week as well. They scored on a last-second touchdown as well to beat Lake Cormorant. Uh, We had a lot of that last week, actually. A couple walk-offs, some field goals at the buzzer, a couple touchdowns. Ridgeland, one of those teams, led by quarterback Zy McDonald. So a couple high-level recruits in that one. Uh, Neshoba Central also had a bye in week one of the playoffs because of Lafayette's COVID situation. So they'll be well-rested. And I think this is probably your game of the night in 5A. If you go to the south part of the state, West Jones at Laurel, it's a game that will be carried on Super Talk Laurel. Uh, Luke Johnson mentioned that uh, earlier today. West Jones sitting at 10-2, and two, Laurel at 9-3. and three. This one's got a chance to be pretty darn good as well. It sure does. And these kind of rivalry games, it's always fun when you get these in the playoffs because obviously you want to win them in the regular season, of course, but you also want to win it when there's more on the line. So not only do you get to move on, but you also get the bragging rights of, of winning when the lights are the brightest, which would be the playoffs. You've got Laurel led by their running back, Xavier Evans, who's a great player. And then Wes Jones, their quarterback, Alan Follis, has been playing really well this season. And I think this is going to be maybe a lower scoring matchup than some of the other ones tonight, but I still think that, are, that there will be a great game unfolding between the bricks. Rounding out 5A, you've got Hattiesburg at Pascagoula. Hattiesburg is 8-3 and three on the year. Gula sitting at 7-4 and four on the season. And so the winner of that game will meet the winner of West Jones and Laurel in the South Half Finals next week. Let's drop down to 1A just for a second. We'll come back to uh, 2A, 3A, 4A in a minute. Um, if, if, favorite, if this thing goes as chalk, Tupelo Christian is at Biggersville tonight. Biggersville is 11-0 on the year. Baldwin is at Nanawoya, and they are 10-0 and on the year. We are potentially looking at a monster matchup between Biggersville and Nanawoya next week. I think so, and the biggest wrench that may be thrown into that is the Tupelo Christian prep offense, led by Kai Holiday and Noah Foster at wide receiver. At one point last season, Noah Foster was the leader in the nation in receiving yards, and Kai Holiday each week seems to just have these monster performances. You know, during the regular season, there were weeks where he had, I believe, six touchdowns, five Ooh. touchdowns. So I think Tupelo Christian Prep has a great chance to beat Biggersville tonight. But also you've got Nanawaya going against Baldwin, like you mentioned. I don't know a ton about Baldwin, but I know that Nanawaya is always tough when they get into the playoffs. Obviously the defending champion. So I, I would anticipate them moving on, but you never know in the playoffs. Baldwin Bearcats never want to sleep on them uh, on the south side of things. Uh, you want a fun fact real quick? Yes. 
I believe, based on what I was told, that Nanawaya will dress out more this tonight than Mississippi State will on Saturday. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of teams tonight that will. Yeah. Well, I think wow. Nanawaya's a 1A team. Though. <laughs> a good think, wow. I didn't think of it I, that way. I get a 6A team, but man. <laughs> Did Bart Gregory send that note to you? Uh, no, but but along those lines. Yeah, I, I figured. that. Uh, oh, goodness. That part of the state runs deep. They're proud at Nanawaya and should be. Sebastopol at Simmons, Stringer at Lumberton. That's in the south in 1A. Gags, you good to hang for a few more minutes? I'll be here. Let's do it. We'll look at 4A, 3A, and 2A when we come back as we continue to take a look at the playoff matchups in the state of Mississippi on this Friday before Thanksgiving. Sports Talk Mississippi. Since my last confession. Well, Father, do you have the rest of the week? Let's get started. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Stephen Gagliano with us as we discuss high school football in the state of Mississippi. We looked at playoff matchups in 6A, 5A, and 1A. Let's jump down to 4A. Corinth at Itawamba AHS, that's in the north half, and then a big one in Pontotoc County. Louisville, 10-1 and on the year, on the road in this second round of the playoffs against Pontotoc, who is also 10-1. and uh, Louisville, sorry. Yeah, I got uh, turned around there. Pontotoc and Louisville, that one is going to be, I think, all about defense, and in that one, Louisville has perhaps the best defensive player in 4A, and that's why he was the Mr. Football Award winner. That's defensive end Ty Cooper. Uh, so I think Louisville has a really good chance to get a win there tonight at home just because of that stout defense that they've been playing all season long. Um, South half in 4A, Poplarville, North Pike, Mendenhall, Sumrall. What's, uh, what stands out? So the Mendenhall and Summerall game, that's one of the ones from last week where neither team was actually able to play in round one. So I think you're going to see a really a really clean game because you're going to have two very well-rested teams in that one. Uh, North Pike has had a really strong season going to Poplarville. Poplarville always able to kind of control the clock with that offense that they run. Uh, so I think they'll be able to move on. They were able to put up 27 points on South Pike last week. Now they'll play North Pike, so they're making their way through Pike County in the playoffs. In 3A in the North, heck of a matchup. A couple of pretty good matchups. Four one-loss teams in the north half of the state. Avery and Winona, 9-1, and 10-1 respectively. Knoxby County, North Panola, both 8-1 and one on the year. So that Amory and Winona matchup uh, is the most interesting one to me, and that's based on last week's result. So Last week, you had Amory, who beat Choctaw County 27-26 to on a last-second touchdown. And then Winona beat Senatobia 52-49 to on a game-winning field goal. So these are two teams that are coming off of incredible victories in Round 1 and now have to play each other. So I wonder, and I hope, that this one comes down to some kind of crazy finish as well. Only undefeated team still alive in 3A is McGee at 9-0. and They are at Raleigh tonight, and uh, then uh, Columbia and West Marion, a couple of 9-2 and teams. That's in the uh, south half playoffs in 3A. Columbia and West Marion, another regular season rematch like I've talked about this whole time. That one ended 7-6 to in overtime. 
So it, it must have gone into overtime at 0-0. That's the only scenario I can imagine there. And I'm hoping for more offense maybe in this one, but Columbia has been kind of my sleeper team in 3A. I've mentioned before that they were able to get into the playoffs as a three seed. Could have been a one seed. They had a few COVID games that had to be canceled earlier in the season. Uh, Since then and since they've gotten into the playoffs, they've upset a two seed and a one seed last week in beating Hazelhurst 22 to nothing. So a really good defense for Columbia, and I think they could – uh, sneak past West Marion as well to move into the South State title game in 3A. And then finally, Gags down into a Northside's undefeated there at East Union, who's 9-1. and East Webster is 6-4. and Calhoun City getting a home playoff game tonight. They are 8-2. and Northside gave up their first touchdown of the season last week in a 30-8 to win over Eupora. <laughs> wow. So there's been a break in the armor for Northside, but I think they'll still be able to play that dominant style of defense that we've seen from them really the last two years. And they had, you know, almost all of their starters come back from that team this year. So they've been playing really well. Calhoun City, East Webster should be a really good one. And then in the south part of that region, you've got Taylorsville at Union. I think that'll be a really high scoring matchup. Union put up 64 points last week in a win over Wesson. Taylorsville with quarterback Ty Keyes is always an offense to look out for. And then Scott Central and Enterprise Clark, this same matchup occurred in the same round of the playoffs last year, and I believe it was Scott Central, yes it was, that got a 48 to nothing win over Enterprise Clark. So they've got some revenge on their mind tonight, I believe. We will see how that shakes out. Heck of a night across the state of Mississippi. North half, south half, wherever it is that uh, you're watching football. Great weather across the state. And uh, you guys are going to wrap it all up tonight on the Farm Bureau Insurance Company's High School Scoreboard Show. Absolutely, at 10 o'clock. And we've also got championship games going on. We uh, They crowned uh, champions last night in 5A with Leak Academy beating Adams Christian, Manchester beating Riverdale, and then so far today, Briarfield beat Tallulah in 1A of the MAIS. Those are both Louisiana teams. And that means we've got big games coming up tonight as well, right? That's right. We've got 4A and 3A tonight, and then the 6A matchup between MRA and Jackson Academy is actually tomorrow. All right. So uh, JA beat Prep last night, and MRA knocked off, or last week, and MRA knocked off PCS to set up that 6A championship game. Great roundup, Stephen. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Be sure to join Gags and the entire gang tonight starting at 10 until 11.30 for the high school football scoreboard show from Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C, uh, the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Want double the data for the same dang price? Now all prepaid by C Spire plans. Get double the high-speed data through the end of the year. Pay for 6 gigs, get 12, just $40. 12 gigs, well, you'll get 24, and that's only $55. You get the idea. Now you can go get the deal. Plus, C Spire is giving you your choice of free phone when you bring your number from another carrier. No contract, 
No credit check and no bull. Just better wireless. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why. Not only the best-selling trucks are built for tough, but why you can save money this holiday season. The holiday sales event is ongoing right now, which means your chance to save at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Get behind the wheel and test drive one today. So, uh, we talked about this earlier in the show today. It's probably a good time to circle back to it. Mississippi State in Athens, Georgia, where they are expected to play Georgia tomorrow. I mean, what a weird thing to even say, to phrase it that way. Mississippi State is in Athens where they are expected to play Georgia tomorrow. I think at this point we can go past expected. Mississippi State is playing Georgia after that game being in peril all week long. Bulldogs are below the 53-man threshold that is in place this year in terms of scholarship players, but apparently, Brian, they have enough um, players at each position group so that they could, yes, I know I called you Brian instead of Hey Dad, my bad, so that they could uh, petition the SEC to uh, continue to play, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the SEC was, was, I don't know if the word is adamant that the game be played, but they wanted this game to be played. And Mississippi State has uh, acquiesced to those demands. Uh, so they will go over there. 49 scholarship players is the number. Uh, number of starters out. Uh, only one scholarship quarterback. So State is at the absolute minimum threshold uh, for that. And that's where we are. So Mississippi State will take on Georgia with basically half of what you would want to take over there in a given year. I'm, I'm just suppositioning here. Y- you said... The SEC really wants Mississippi State to play this game and Georgia to play this game, and I don't disagree with that at all. But if you're one of the guys that is available to play Mississippi, uh, play Georgia on Mississippi State's team, don't you also really want to play the game? I think that's been something, you know, if you want to, again, take positives. There, there are 49 guys, I'll just be really honest, right? They know they're going to get the crap kicked out of them tomorrow. They know that. But they've shown up to play, and so yeah, that's something to take from this. That they, you know, for all the talk of, of culture and, and issues that states have with with uh, with with people leaving the program, states got forty nine guys who are willing to to strap it up tomorrow and play football. So yeah, there, there's something positive you could take from that for sure. Yeah, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm really excited about the guys that are going to play in this game. The 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 message board. Uh, Post I saw, I was like, this is sort of State's Junction Boys moment. <laughs> they, they know what they're getting into, and these are the guys left who want to play. So, you know, I guess, I guess you'd rather go into battle with those guys than, you know, guys you're not too sure about. You should be sure about the guys who, who wear maroon and white tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and despite being accused earlier of trying to turn this into an old Miss story, which was not my intention then, and it's Absolute not my intention truth. now. It is the next game on the schedule, the Egg Bowl, uh, slated to be played in eight days in Oxford. And we've kind of talked all week about the fact that it feels like it's in jeopardy. How much so? We don't know. I mean, if if you're watching this game as either a Mississippi State fan who wants to play the game or an Ole Miss fan 
who wants to play that game next week, you're certainly hoping that Mississippi State comes out of this game healthy. Yeah. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you don't have to root for State to win, but you do need to root for them to stay healthy. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and as for, for Mississippi State, I mean, this is how it's going to be these, these remaining games. You still also have Missouri and Auburn. Any injuries are going to set things off, especially like I said with Will Rogers. KJ Costello is not expected to be not expected to be available this week, so he's the only scholarship quarterback. If something were to happen to him and Costello, Costello is still out next week, there's no egg bowl. It is literally that simple. Are you hearing any whispers about KJ Costello's prospects for returning at some point this season? Nothing, nothing. Just I just know that he's out. I just know that he's not playing this week. Yeah. And you don't think next week either? I don't know. I don't know about next week. You know, I, I think, like we said earlier in the show, when you have a head injury, you know, you got to take as many precautions as you can. And for, for Costello, I mean, I don't think he would opt out. I don't know that. But if you're not 100%, you know, and I mean, you're talking about a business decision for him because this is his last year. Do you want to risk making it worse? I don't know. I don't know. That's just my my opinion. I'm not basing that on anything, but we'll see. Is it still a business decision, though? Well, I mean, never mind. I'm not even talking about the NFL draft, which, I mean, he'll worse quarterbacks than him have gotten a tryout. But I'm talking about, like, if you get a really bad head injury, that's going to affect you the rest of your life. You know, so a long-term to health decision. Yeah, that's what I, I guess that's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say then, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all saw the shot he took at Alabama. It was really nasty. So, you know, Borky wrote this in the rundown. A series of questions. Why is MSU playing? Is the SEC forcing this? Does Mike Leach give a crap? And would he take 40 and go play if he could? Uh, I think for sure Mike Leach wanted to play this football game. I would be surprised if he didn't, just from what I know about him. And yeah, he would have taken however many he had to take. You know, if he had to take 22. He had to go both ways on this one. I don't know. He might have done it. His press conference struck me as a guy that was ticked off that he didn't know whether or not they could play this weekend, meaning that he wanted to bad. It's been intimated here a couple of times today that the SEC is uh, encouraging this game get played. So I have a, a couple of questions. I guess you can call them thoughts on that. One, what can the SEC do in this case, if they are, in fact, encouraging this game get played in spite of the dire numbers situation, what what do they use? Because, like we've been talking about for two weeks now, Texas A&M's not playing. So, why is it that the SEC, if it's true, is not forcing Mississippi State to play, but asking? And they're not doing that in College Station. And what can they use as their their selling point? Is it just simply, if you guys don't play these next two games, we'll have to cancel some down the road, and the check is going to get smaller, and nobody wants a smaller check right now? I think that's exactly what it is. I think that you know, there is a certain inventory of games that the SEC Network expects, and if they don't get that, they're going to cut the payments. So do you want to be the school that does that, basically, is what is what is where we are. I so... In case you were ever wondered about player safety versus money, oh. you got your answer. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, and I, I read an article to make sure I was understanding it correctly earlier about Texas A&M. And the article claimed that A&M's contact tracing and stuff dropped them below the threshold necessary to play with three total positive cases in two weeks. But 
it just strikes me as not shady, but kind of shady that Mississippi State, like I said earlier, but maybe new audience in the, the new hour, is being told to play this game when Texas A&M is getting to sit at home and get ready for a stretch run to the college football playoff. Part of me, the cynic in me, wonders if Texas A&M had the bad record and Mississippi State was a couple of wins away from being in the playoff conversation, that the games aren't switched. That one team isn't being forced to play and the other is. I, I just I wonder that. Because how is A&M able to get away with this when Mississippi State has 49 freaking players in Athens right now and they're playing? Maybe it's as simple as Mississippi State wanted to play the game. And Texas A&M didn't. And Texas A&M on Monday morning said, look, these are our numbers. You canceled our game last week. We weren't good enough to play. These are the numbers for this week. We're not going to have enough to play. And... Mississippi State was kind of hanging on the edge all week long, and they got to the point where, like, yeah, both sides really want to play the game. Well, do, do you want to push it a little farther? I mean, yeah, we, we, we would be supportive of that decision. I just, it's hard for me to believe, based on what I know about the SEC office and the people over there and the way they operate, I do not for a second believe that the SEC dictated to Mississippi State you will play this game. That's just not how they operate. You you can believe otherwise, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, that's not how they operate. It's just not. That's your college football fix. We got picks to make, we got two questions to ask, and more. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on Friday afternoon. This is uh, glad to be here with you. Borky, let's knock out a couple of questions. What do you say? Yeah, although uh, with Haydad's tone today, it doesn't sound like these are, are going to be very um, pertinent questions. However, Mississippi State absolutely must do what if they want to pull the upset tomorrow? And the answer is not infect the entire Georgia team with COVID. Come to the game strapped? I don't know. Bring swords. We're not gonna like attempt to do this. I. What do you want me to say? They're they're going with forty nine guys. I mean, they're they're gonna be down down a bunch of starters. Uh, I just they're they're they're. The, the, I'll rephrase it, take... it. What do they have to do to make fans feel good about what happened in Athens? This is going to sound really bad, but lose by less than 42? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, if they you walk off... The, you headed to Philadelphia tonight to the uh, sports book? Uh, I asked my wife. She she shot me down. She said it'll be the one time there'll be some sort of divine intervention. Um, I mean, honestly, I mean, if they just... If they lost 38-7, to seven, I would be incredibly surprised by that result. So yeah, I mean, can they can they Did we lose him? I think we lost him for a second. Um just play I, hard, I, I guess. We lost you for a second. Let's try that again. Oh. You, okay. you said if they lost we lost you if if they lost thirty eight to seven, 
I, w- I would think that would be a good result. I mean, I thought that's what I predicted on the podcast before I knew how many players they were going to be down. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it it really is just about playing hard at this point. You know, it's it's about it's going to be about a pride thing, and and you know, and trying. Which to Which earlier in the year, by the way, you talked about being your like bare minimum. Yeah, but that's where we are now. I mean, what else do they have to give? Yeah. I mean, is there a scenario where this defense? I mean, let, let, let's play this out for a second. I mean, obviously, Georgia's had issues this year at quarterback. Stetson Bennett right. in his last two and a half games has thrown two touchdowns and six picks. Juan Mathis has been a disaster. What if JT Daniels isn't good tomorrow? And Mississippi State's able to create some turnovers. They're able to get some pressure on him. And uh, say there's a, a special teams touchdown and an interception return for a touchdown. I'm going, I, I mean... I know what you're doing. Yeah, you're good. You may say I'm I'm being disingenuous, but we've seen crazy results in football before. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. But, I mean, all these things would have to happen. But then on top of that, I mean, do you trust, against Georgia's defense, even at full strength, would you trust Mississippi State's offense to score more than seven points? Probably not. So, I mean, how many can the defense hold them to? Can they... If they get, uh, let's, let's give them two touchdowns, the defense, and one special team, sure. So now we've got 21. Are they going to hold Georgia to less than 21 points? That just seems unlikely, considering that you know the offense is, is just going to continue to give the ball back to Georgia possession after possession. Yeah. Is there a flip this is easily, question, This is easily the most so. negative prediction I've ever done in the history of me doing predictions on this show, on podcasts, or just in real life. This is easily the worst one. Yeah. And look, I mean, you, you rewind to, what was it, mid-August when the new schedule came out and you looked at what was added to Mississippi State's schedule, you go, ooh, Vanderbilt, all right, that's a win, mm-hmm. which it turned out to be. It was not easy, but it right, was but a, win. a win. And you looked at Georgia and you go, ooh. That's probably who, a loss. Who, who'd you make mad to uh, pick up this Additional game. I want to point out that Mississippi State is still within striking distance of my preseason prediction of four and six. And they, all of the Arkansas LSU, everything's going according to plan. Yeah. C Spire text line. I actually feel bad for Hey Dad. Sheesh. I, I will say this. I'm not the one who's going to have to go out there on the field on Saturday. Yeah. But. There is, there's a little bit of a helpless feeling that that goes along with this. And I don't yeah. look. You said earlier, you know, players know that they're going to get the crap kicked out of them. I mean, maybe at like an intellectual level, but I think the reality is that's not how competitors approach things. You know, if, if you're playing college football in the SEC, then you believe you've got talent. Vanderbilt doesn't believe that it's going to lose every time it steps on the field. We may believe that about Vanderbilt, but I don't think Vanderbilt's players believe that. If they did, you, you wouldn't see the effort that they give week in, week out. I mean, everybody thought when Ole Miss and Alabama played this year that Alabama was going to win that game. Ole Miss believed it was going to win the game. Lane Kiffin believed that, and he was mad after the game. He said, we didn't come here to cover spreads. Came here to win. 
They played really well with the number one or number two team in the country for three and a half quarters, but guess what? you got to play for four quarters. And, and I'm not trying to be, look, I, I, again, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here. I'm just saying that the way we, and, and I'm using we collectively, media, fans, administrators, etc., look at games where there are insurmountable odds, seemingly, I don't think that's the way that players and coaches look at it. Right? No, I, I agree with that. But but like also like you said, like deep down inside, they know that it's it's a near impossible task. But I guess that's why they play the games. Is that what I should say at this point? Tim and McGee a, says he thinks they're going to win. State. That's what Tim, Tim and McGee said. Tim, let's uh, let's get, get, I'm gonna text you after the show. Let's uh, let's talk about some some wagering. Tim says I'm not a state fan, but you have to respect state, and I'm always a Mississippi fan. If, if State wins this game, in my opinion, it's one of the biggest upsets in SEC history. It's It, it would be massive. Mike says over under 75 yards of offense for Mississippi State. Probably over that. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be between 150 and 200 if I had to guess. David in Socher says send the Ole Miss offense with Mississippi State. They ain't got nothing else to do. Let's do it. I've always said that that in you know with college you cheer for the helmet you don't cheer for the people and if you woke up tomorrow morning and Matt Corral played at Mississippi State everybody would love him so let's put it to the test yeah somebody says um, Quinn says hats off to State for playing this game I agree somebody said is it as simple as Texas A and M with regard to one of these games being played and the other one not, Texas A&M is in contention potentially for a playoff spot. Makes Mississippi the decision State is easier. Not. It makes the decision. It absolutely makes their decision easier. And you can call me black helicopter guy and tell me that's not how the SEC operates and, and all that. But if the roles were reversed, if Texas A&M stunk and Mississippi State was a playoff contender, Texas A&M is playing this weekend and Mississippi State is not. Say that one more time. If just flip the if situations were reversed, if they were reversed, A and M's playing this weekend. Mississippi State is not. Yeah, I, I do think part of it goes back to the fact that they made the decision on the A and M game on Monday. That helps, and it was easy to make that decision six days out versus because in in Texas A and M's case, you knew. Based on contact tracing, you were not getting X number of players back. Like there was no scenario where those guys were coming back, and you were just kind of hanging on for test results throughout the the, the course of the week. Yeah, and we knew How Mississippi many... State situation was awful too, though. Sure, but technically they were still alive until this morning when the test results came back, and then they fell below the threshold and ultimately. Decided to play anyway. Whether it They're was still alive. encouraged or forced or uh, Mississippi State was the one encouraging it. I don't know. What about for another one of these SEC games this week? I mean, let's, LSU, Arkansas? Let's, yeah, let's try that. LSU. Okay, to LSU uh, side. Yeah. Um, let's do it from an Arkansas standpoint. 
because I think Arkansas is going to win this game. I think the wrong team's favored here. Arkansas absolutely must do what to beat LSU tomorrow? Just play a clean game. Don't give LSU's offense can be good. Don't give them any extra opportunities. Yeah, I'm gonna say they got to take advantage offensively of LSU's mess of a defense. You you can't have this be a game where you kind of step on your own toe a little bit. I'm not saying Arkansas is gonna be perfect, but they've got to take advantage of that LSU defense that has been horrid. You do remember though, there was one time this year. And it was in the first start that T.J. Finley made where LSU looked like a competent football team. They gave up a bunch of yards on the ground to Kevin Harris, but then South Carolina couldn't capitalize at the end of drives. And South Carolina could do nothing to stop LSU. And Terrace Marshall in particular. To me, Terrace Marshall is kind of the X factor for LSU. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll make some picks when we come back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. some picks we do it every week we'll try and give you some winners updated standings as we go through the course of the year michael borky and i are now tied borky has gone seven and zero in the uh, the last two weeks including three and zero last week so he is now 24 and 19 on the season i went two and one last week also 24 and 19. Brian Haydad went one and two last week. So he is 17 and 26 on the year. So we get to the games for this weekend. 11 a.m. Central. Florida is a 31 and a half point favorite at Vanderbilt. Haydad, you can, uh, you can go first if you'd like. Sure. First off, let everybody know that Emily Haydad has retired from this game. Going one and two last week broke her spirit. So I have to get back on the horse here. I'll definitely take Florida, though, here uh, and give the points. The Gators are red hot. Uh, Kyle Trask is going to look to improve his Heisman resume. They'll win very, very, very easily. Morgan, what about you? This one's tough, man, um, because Vanderbilt's trending up and playing better lately. But does it matter against Florida? And like Haydad said, I think Dan Mullen's got Heisman on his mind. Uh, I think potentially style points for a college football playoff committee if things get weird. So they're going to put their foot on the gas, and I don't think they're going to let up. So Vanderbilt is trending up, if you can believe it, despite being winless. But I think Florida's too motivated to blow them out tomorrow. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. And I think the the whole Kyle Trask record-setting season plays into this. And, and I might be tempted to take Vanderbilt with the big number at home, if not for the fact that, that we just saw Florida hang 60 on Arkansas last weekend, or 63, or whatever the number was. It was a big number. Uh, so I'll go with Florida as well. I know that's a big number, 31 and a half, um, but I think Florida's the right play here. LSU at Arkansas. LSU currently a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm just sticking with what I said earlier. I got the Razorbacks. I think L- Arkansas is going to win this game outright. I Look, am I going to be surprised? 
if LSU plays well and wins? No, I won't be surprised. I mean, it's, it's a one-and-a-half-point spread. I just think Arkansas has, throughout the season, played better. They've been more consistent. They've played harder. And I think that trend continues, and I'll take Arkansas getting points at home. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the talent gap is, is pretty significant. Sorry about this, Quinn. But um, I think LSU's more talented, but but Arkansas currently is better coached on both sides of the ball. And, I mean, another article comes out today uh, about LSU and how those things were covered up. They, there's just a lot of stuff that LSU's dealing with right now. They're not playing very well. Their de- new defensive coordinator's head is already on the chopping block. Uh, they're not able to play Miles Brennan, and there's just stuff that they're dealing with outside of just football. Arkansas is in a similar situation with their coach coming off of COVID, but they're fully locked in and focused, and they believe in their guys. LSU not so much, possibly distracted, another day of bad headlines, not being able to play Miles Brennan, not a very well-coached football team right now. So I'll go with Arkansas. All right. Feel like, uh, go ahead, hey, Dad. I'm not saying is my pick not relevant. I don't know. Uh, no, I was I feel, about to ask you what you thought. I feel like I should fade you guys, but I can't do it here. LSU is just not good this year. Arkansas, they're going to play motivated, disciplined football. Definitely think the Arkansas. I think Arkansas will win this game. Um, Alabama hosting Kentucky, three o'clock SEC Network. Bama favored by thirty. The total in this game is fifty-eight. I like Alabama forty-nine to ten, forty-nine fourteen, something along those lines. That is good enough to cover the thirty. I will take Bama roll tide. It's a big I'm, I'm line with you on that one. It's a big line, but Kentucky. I mean, yeah, they put up thirty-eight last week on uh on Vandy, but offensively they're not very good. They're very one-dimensional. Bama will will shut them down pretty easily. Uh, I'll take I'll take the tide. And give the points. Yeah, big line. Kentucky's. I would assume going to try to slow the game down with running the football, draining a lot of clock and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters though, Borg. Right, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I know this is your time to pick it, but I I think Alabama has the ability to score in a minute thirty to two thirty at pretty much any point in the game they want to. And a one-dimensional Kentucky against an Alabama defense that has been trending up for the last month? I don't see it. Yeah, that's um, almost to the T what I was going to say. Maybe I should have let you do that instead of talking again. (laughs) Sorry. No. Uh, Nick Saban earlier this week said that the era of playing good defense and winning championships is over. He's not wrong. You got to play good enough defense good enough and have defense great offense and have a great offense. But I, I, I found that so fascinating coming from him. I mean, he's gone full circle from the hurry up offense needs to end because our players are getting hurt. To let's run the hurry up and you know defense whatever. Yeah, Borky, you go first on this one. Tennessee at Auburn. Auburn's a ten and a half point favorite. This line stayed pretty much the same all week. It's going to be the stupidest pick for me of the weekend. I'll take the points. Ten and a half. Uh, give me Tennessee on the road. I, I mean, it's just hard to have faith in Bo Nix and Gus Malzahn in Auburn winning a game, any game, by two touchdowns. I just don't have faith in their ability to do that. I think this will be an ugly football game. Tennessee's bad, but it's not like Auburn blows me away either. And I think Tennessee's okay enough stopping the run to force the ball into Bo Nix's hands some. 
And he hasn't proven that he's able to beat anybody like that just yet. So I'll take the 10.5 points if you're going to give me 10.5 points between two very average at best teams. Hey, Dan. I was thinking about, because I figured both of y'all would take Auburn, what do I really want to go in there with Tennessee? So Borky gives me a little wiggle room here. I'll take Auburn. Tennessee, I've said it a, a few times now, I just don't know what happened in the locker room when they were up on Georgia a few weeks back. Uh, they're, they're not any good. I agree that Auburn's not very good, but, I mean, could they win 21-10? to 10? Sure. See, I think Auburn's found a little bit of an identity, and they're not trying to run the show through Bo Nix. They have decided that, oh, Tank Bigsby is really good, and I agree with that. And then they've got a secondary guy in the backfield. And then they've got enough playmakers on the outside. I don't trust Tennessee. There, there's been too much turmoil uh, around them throughout the course of the year. And once the running game gets going, Bo Nix can be effective. I like Auburn, and I like it bigger than than you guys do, more like 35-17. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Georgia's a 25-point favorite at home against Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, based on what you've said already today, I think it's pretty clear you're going Georgia. Man, you could add another 15 points to that, and I'd feel pretty good about taking it. Yes, I'll take Georgia to cover that. You know, my only question here, Borky, is Georgia offensively and what's JT Daniels going to look like. But I've just got no faith in Mississippi State offensively, and it's a 60-minute game and feels like Georgia will grind on them and grind on them and grind on them. And, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 35-10 to 10 game, which would be a push, but... I feel like more like 38-7, to 38-10 when it's all said and done. Yeah, and you've seen it the last couple of weeks, and now Mississippi State's down two more guys from that defense. But you're starting – I think you were starting to see the effects of what an inept, inept offense can do to you defensively. You saw it, I think, against Vanderbilt because Mississippi State defensively played well in the first half of Vanderbilt. But they just kept having to go back on the field and back on the field after three plays, and then they got worn down, and that changed things. I think – you started to see that with Mississippi State, what a bad offense can do to your defense. And so you have that in play, and then you take away two high-level players from that defense, and I just I don't think it matters. I, don't, I simply don't think it will be close for a multitude of reasons, numbers, offense, wearing down what has been a really solid and good defense. All of that is just... There's no shot here. Six games on the docket. The sixth game is Missouri at South Carolina. SEC Network alternate channel, 630 kickoff. Missouri is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this ballgame. Obviously, Will Muschamp is out. Mike Bobo is in as the interim head coach. Borky, you go first here. Yeah, South Carolina's players are dropping like flies. Uh, they, I thought going into the Ole Miss game, they weren't going to be motivated. They ran the football well. I think that was almost by default. It's a team and a program that has quit. Their eyes are focused on the next coach. I have no faith whatsoever in Mike Bobo being able to coach them up as the interim. This one could possibly get ugly. Hey, Dad. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't see how you can have any faith in interim coach Mike Bobo. They had all those opt-outs this week. Give me, give me Missouri. I'll take. I'll give the points. All right, I've got Missouri as well on this one for uh, most of the reasons you guys have uh, have talked about. Even though uh, Bruce went the other way, I don't go against Bruce a whole lot, but I do on this one. I just think he's uh, off base here. I don't think win one for the Gipper works when the Gipper is Mike Bobo. 
Um, so that's uh, we're, we're going to have a new leader one way or the other next week. Borky and I have the exact same record. We are different on one game this week. It is the Tennessee-Auburn game. Haydad and I are exactly the same on all six games. So not a lot of variation in the picks this week. Those- a Super Talk Mississippi media production.